Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. In um, early 90s, I, I had a few odd jobs. One of them was I worked at a, a golf course, Nord Hills Country Club, in the early 90s, and I was a bag boy, which meant that I was to be super helpful and clean clubs, and but like disappear, don't let people, all these important people see you, and certainly don't let all these important people, don't talk to them, leave them alone. And uh, we, you know, there were some uh, Cardinal players there, uh, former and current, I mean, back in the 90s, current and former before the 90s, and uh, hockey players. And so one of the members out there was Brett Hall. And uh, any guys know Brett Hall? You know who he is? My t- no? Brett Hall, superstar? No? Okay. Well, just imagine a really important St. Louis hero. Anyway, so I, I was... Um, you know, I, I'd seen him a few different times, but uh, there was one time he, he, uh, his, his cart died, and there was two courses on this court and this club, so he's a far way away, and I went, I, I got called to go pick him up in the golf cart, and so we, I went and picked him up, and we had a, a probably in the cart for maybe 10, 15 minutes, and had a decent conversation, and you know, I went for it and tried to gain some rapport, made him laugh a little bit, I gave him some uh, hockey advice, he laughed a lot of it, and. Um, I was thought that's cute, and so we. Uh, but anyway, but so you know, we had to, I had this, you know, you know, I met Brett Hall. We talked a little bit, and um, but if you were to stumble into Brett Hall, or today or whatever, and you say, "Hey, Brian Mary says hi," I'm like who? Oh, you you don't remember? You know, remember 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 Brian? You know, you North Hills Country Club. You know, you were he helped you out. Remember that one time you lost? You know, you were way far away. You he like saved the day and like helped you and gave you all that great advice. You remember that? No, don't remember that. And uh, I, I mean, I, I like know a lot of things about him. You know, I know, I know, I know he's from Canada. I know all the records that he holds. And you know, his dad was a you know, big time hockey player. The Golden Jets, where he got his name, the Golden Brett. And you know, they they have record. It was amazing. I know a lot of facts about God, but I don't really, I don't really uh, know him. Um, and one of the concerns that I have about Christians in general. And it's a concern that I would have about us specifically is that we would know God the way I know Brett Hall. Because I know a lot of things about Brett. I actually had this experience like decades ago, but I don't really, I don't really know him. You know, we know God like we know celebrities, you know, like you, you follow, you know, your favorite celebrity and you're like, can you believe Taylor Swift did that? I can't believe she's not like that. She, she's, she does it. How do you know who Taylor Swift is like? You don't know her. You just know facts about her. And so, but we, oftentimes we could take that ethic into our relationship. And this is really, really important because when we stop trusting in our relationship with Jesus, we start relying on religious activity and knowledge. It's, and the invitation, though, of God is not that we would know facts about him, but that we would actually know him. And unlike celebrities, uh, God has the capacity, the ability, the availability to hang out with us and the desire to do it. In Revelation 3, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, if, if, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sign a few autographs. No, he will eat with you. He, will, he is a hanging out guy. He wants to have a relationship. That is the deal. 
And when you stray away from that relationship, which we're gonna, this is why we're going through Galatians, we're gonna start Galatians today, is that the, and one of the key ways that you know you strayed from that relationship is you stray from what we call the gospel. And Galatians, along with Romans, are probably the two most important books in the New Testament to understanding the gospel. Romans, Romans communicates what the gospel is. Galatians communicates what the gospel isn't. Romans is offense and Galatians is defense. And so we want to get to know this book because we want to get to know uh, the gospel. And I would encourage you through this series to read it every week. It's 149 verses. It'll take, you know, maybe 20 minutes and really, really get to know that because that's how you can tell what a counterfeit is. The big theme of, of Galatians is that we're to experience this freedom and joy in Christ, but what, what God creates, what God gives us, Satan counterfeits. And you counterfeit the things that are really valuable, right? You know, we've got chairs, we've got some chairs in our house that are the real deal. And I don't know, and, but we've got some chairs in our house that are not the real deal. And I can't tell the difference. I don't know the difference. They're just, they look the same to me. But when you get to know the real deal, you're able to determine the difference. And that's what we need to do. Let's get really familiar with the gospel. I another uh, job that I had in, in high school, I worked at Johnny Max Sporting Goods. Um, there's a big theme in my life. It's called sports. And so anyway, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, be a Cardinal fan, but you have to like sports. If you're going to do well at Jubilee Church, you're going to have to like sports. You're not going to really get anything. But um, so I worked at Johnny Max Sporting Goods, and they didn't have, it was mainly cash transactions. They didn't have digital stuff in the early 90s. They didn't even really, you couldn't, I mean, credit cards, you had the junk, junk, you know, you didn't have like the tap and pay. You had the junk, junk. Remember, anybody remember that big thing that you, I had to do that little, you couldn't get it right, do it again, the, the three paper, whatever. Anyway, so, but we had a lot of cash and they would teach you, they would give you a hundred dollar bill. They'd, you know, hold that, see it, look at it, get really familiar with the real thing so that you can detect if there's a counterfeit. And that's what I want for us. I want us to get so familiar with the real thing that we'll be able to detect a counterfeit. And this Galatians is going to be super, super helpful. Martin Luther, who started, uh, who, who was a, a Catholic monk who, who started the Reformation and, and the, the start of Protestantism, he, he said he, it's like a second wife to him. He like, lo- he like, which is kind of a little much, but talking about how much he was, he read it and soaked it in to understand what the gospel is. And so that's what we're going to do. And you're going to see some, some themes in here that I hope will be helpful. So he starts off, he says, Paul in verse one, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead, all the brothers who are with me. So Paul starts off and he says, Hey, I'm an, an, an apostle. And, um, what that meant uh, is that he was, he was a, a translocal leader. There are some leaders, some pastors who are, uh, they lead a local church, and there are some uh, pastors who lead uh, a local church and have translocal responsibility to help other churches get started, who understand uh, uh, the foundations of a church and what those are supposed to look like, and also catching up in, in a wider mission. The, the word apostle means sent. That means to be sent. It means to live sent. And, and the church is meant to be an apostolic community. And God gives gifts. And one of those gifts is apostolic. So that the church lives with a sense of sentness, a sense of mission. And Paul was a guy who worked across different 
uh, churches, and, and, and that's actually, if you're new to Jubilee Church, that's what you're a part of. This church has always been led by, by leaders who are not just local, who lead a local church, but also lead translocal. That means trans means across. It means across locations, and so works translocally, and that's why when we go to celebration, you've probably been hearing about that, we get together with the churches that, that we work across with, and, and it's encouraging, and it's helpful that we're part of something bigger, and I hope that you value that a part of being a part Jubilee Church. It's not just about us, but it's about others. Paul was a, a translocal leader that went and traveled a bunch. Um, but when you have kids, a mortgage, and a minivan, and you, you tend to stay put. And so I'm here and here and local, but also translocal as well. And it's great. So uh, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, I'm serving all these churches. Then he goes into what the gospel isn't. And then he tells us a little bit about what the, what the gospel is and then what the gospel isn't. One of the things he says about what the gospel is in verse three through five, he talks about that, he, uh, that Jesus did something for our sins to deliver us. And there's this cosmic problem of evil, pain, suffering, death, hatred, murder, eternal separation, separation from God, who is grace and peace. And anytime that we see a serious problem, Right. I don't know what you think a serious problem is, you know, inflation or or what's going on in Ukraine. Or maybe it's just you come home. And there's a messy house or whatever it is. Whatever is a big problem. You would say somebody has to do something. Right. Somebody has to do something. Well, there is a big problem in the world. It's it's evil. It's evil that's created by you and me. And we experience evil from others. There's a problem with evil in the world. And you might say somebody has to do something. The gospel is that Jesus is the someone and his work is the something. A false gospel is at any level you make that we become the someone and what we do is the something. That is, that is the gospel and that is the false gospel. We are always the problem. You wanna write that down? Um, he, Jesus, is always the solution. Some people think, well, as long as you get close to the gospel, you know, as long as Jesus is somewhere in the picture, you know, they, you know, they, they kind of have Jesus in their, in their life. It's, that's not the, the gospel is not like horseshoes and hand grenades where close enough is good enough. It's, it's, it's all, he is always, he's the entire solution Otherwise, if you mix in any kind of human effort, even just a little bit, you take the most amazing thing ever and you make it dull, lifeless, powerless, striving, straining, anxiety, anxious. Am I good enough? Am I doing enough? The gospel is grace. It's a culture of grace. And check this out, peace. Peace. I guess it started raining. And... Um, then they were adding in things. That's what the problem with the Galatians. Anytime you add anything, so that, you know, if you, you know, if you add in like, oh, you got to work this off, you know, like, hey, you do a little bit of good and, and, and you got to make sure that you please God. And so it, with the Galatians, it was circumcision, circumcision and, and, and groups like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, they add a book that, you know, you got to do more stuff. And Hinduism, you need to suffer and pay. Catholicism, there's purgatory, and even in art, you know, in Protestantism, you know, sometimes hey, you got to speak in tongues, you got to get baptized, you got to, you got to give, you got to fast, you got to read the right Bible translation, you got to do the right church methods, and all those things are good. And I'll explain the difference uh, in there. We should do those things, but they're just not necessary, and they're not a part of your salvation and your deliverance. Your salvation and your deliverance has nothing to do with you. You are 100% of the problem. 
And Jesus is 100% of the solution. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. Anytime you insert somehow, you know, I do something, I'm part of the solution, that's where it goes it goes wrong. Jesus, excuse me, Christians don't just believe in a cross. They believe in the sufficiency of the cross, which means it is enough. Jesus plus nothing equals God's gospel. Jesus plus anything or something equals a false gospel. Check this out in verse eight and nine. But even if, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now say again, I, so I say again, if anyone's preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. So in other words, Jesus plus nothing is blessing. Jesus plus something is a curse. This is this, is this stark. So we'll learn later in Galatians. Uh, we'll learn about where you know, Paul talks about, he goes back to Abraham, and, and through Abraham's seed, there's going to be this blessing and in Genesis 12, when you read that, God comes to Abraham and says, through your seed, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bless you through the gospel. I'm going to bless you through this relationship. I'm going to bless you. The, the blessing comes from Jesus. The blessing comes from this relationship with Jesus. And anything other than that comes a curse. I could cause you to sit up straight. Like, okay, I want to make sure I, I understand what's what I'm doing here. Adding works to the gospel is like trying to put out a fire with gasoline. You and I can only make it worse. We, we don't make it better. We only make it worse. By the way, this is good news. I, don't misinterpret my tone. This is really good news. It just may be that we have to think differently. Ephesians 2 says, for grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. It's not us. It's not what, it's not what we have done. It's what he has done. Now, to be clear, it says that, it, that not by works, but it's, it's not our works, but it is the work of Jesus. He works. He has done something on your behalf. This is the gospel. The gospel is that you've done something to get in trouble, and he has done something to deliver you from that trouble. He has done something. He works for you. His last words on the cross were, it is finished, that he finished this work on the cross, that he, uh, he did this work. In Hebrews 10, it said that when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And the sitting down was representing resting, finishing, complete, completing. And, you know, when you read in Genesis, God created the world. And, you know, day one, day two, day three, day six, you know, all the way to day six. And on the seventh day, he, he rested. He, he completed the work. And that's when it says, when it says that he sat down, it's saying it's representing he completed it. It's, it's done. It's, it's, it's over with. Nothing needs to be added and nothing needs to be taken away. It is a completed work. While we were still sinners, Christ died. He finished the work before you even, before you were born. How, how could the work be, so how could you add to anything if the work was already done before you were even born? Jesus does all the giving. Here, Jesus does all the giving and we do all the receiving.
one of the ways, what does it mean to live as a Christian? It means getting really good at receiving. In Mark 10, he said, for even the Son of Man, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. In other words, in this relationship that you and I have, you're not going to serve me. What do, you, what, do you, what do you have? Jesus says, I need. Oh, I've got something you need. So in this relationship, I will be serving you. You will not be serving me. And so we have to get really good at receiving. So he does this work. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died in our place for our sins to deliver us from the evil we commit and deliver us from the evil in this world. He rose again and is right now preparing a place for you for all of eternity. And his name is Jesus. It's all about him. Three ways he works for you really quick. He works for you. He works for you to deliver you from sin. You need to be delivered from sin. Again, we, we, are, we are the problem, not the solution. So we sin. So that, that's a place that you have to start with the gospel. It starts with the admission that you sin, that you lie, that you cheat, that you covet, that you do things you shouldn't and you don't do things that you should. You can't receive the gospel. The only, the only way, the only thing that you do is you receive. So that means you say, yes, I need that. Yes, I need that. If you're really, really thirsty and someone offers you water, you drink it. If you're not thirsty, you don't drink it. If you have no thirst, if you have no desire to be saved, if you don't think you need to be saved, then, then there's nothing you're going to receive. Paul, I want you to follow the logic in this verse in, in Paul's letter to, to uh, Timothy. He says this, can we show that? First, first Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Who has he come to save? If, if you're not a sinner, has he come to save you? It's not a trick question. No, he hasn't come to save you. Okay, so let me get this right. So if you want to be saved, you get in the in the in the center line, like I'm a sinner, not the center, the sinner. If you're in the, I'm not a sinner line, he's, he doesn't come to save the non-sinners. He comes over here to save those who are sinners. I was in Chicago, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, last September, and I've never been to Wrigley Field, always wanted to go. And uh, uh, there's a friend of mine who was from Chicago, said, hey, I'll get us in the game. I get really good seats on one condition. You have to wear this Cubs hat. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so, I feel like I've disappointed everyone, but I wore the Cubs hat. <laughs> the only way, the only way, the only way I was getting access into that stadium is if I identified as a Cubs fan. The only way that you receive access into salvation is you have to identify as a sinner. 
That's why this, that's why this news is simultaneously so good, yet so few enter. He said of rich people, people who feel self-sufficient in what they do and what they have, he says harder for, it's easier for, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because of this reason. I was talking to a bright young man a couple years ago, um, knew the church, and hey, you know, let's go have coffee. And I asked him, I said, hey, how do you, tell me about when you became a Christian. And, and he began to tell me about how he was raised and, and, and how he was taught the Bible and, you know, like his, his new habit of prayer and how he's, he's trying to do good. And he's even asking, hey, you know, is there something I can do to serve in the church? And I've been talking, thinking about, like, getting baptized. And, and, and it dawned on me, man, he's talking a lot about what he has done. He's not yet said anything about what Jesus has done. And so I, just, I said to him, I said, hey, you know, those things are great. And actually, those are part of a, of a fruitful life in Christ and, and what it means to work out what God has already worked into you. And I said, but, but none of that has anything to do with you being accepted by God. None of it, zero. I said, this is what, it, this is, this is what the gospel is. The gospel is, is, that, is that Jesus lived perfectly. He lived the life that you're trying to live, but can't. And then he died in your place for your sin. If you see that Jesus died for you, for your sin, and you just receive this, I mean, right now, right here, right now, you, you receive this gift, that's it, you're in, that's good. That's, that's all you have to do. And um, he said, I don't think I can do that. I don't, I don't think that... I just don't see, I just, I don't see how that can be right. I don't see how, because I, I feel like I'm supposed to do something. And, uh, and I get it, because the, the culture of the kingdom, the culture of Christ is grace, grace-based. Our culture is performance-based. You want to do well in school, you better study. You want dessert, you better eat your meal. You, you, you want your allowance, you, you, better, you better work. You got, you got work tomorrow, guys. You better, you better perform. You don't, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? Except with Jesus there is. He fed the 5,000. There's no such thing as a free ride, except with Jesus there is. He is the door. He is the pathway. He is the one. But it's hard. So what does he do? He works, he works for us, but he doesn't stop there. He works in us. He works for you and works in you. And this is where you begin to see the, uh, the fruit in your life. I mean, I remember like it was yesterday, the, the, the time that my old buddies from my old life called me to, hey, you want to go out, hang out? And, we had a, and I was just new to, to Jubilee and we had a prayer meeting. I remember hanging up the phone saying no. Saying no. I didn't tell them why, but I knew it was because I was going to go. And I remember hanging up the phone like, did I just say that? Did I just say, I don't want to do this, and I do want to go pray? I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience, like it wasn't actually me. Is, I mean, I don't know if you want to. And, and that's where Paul goes in, this, in Galatians. In fact, in the next chapter 2, verse 20, he says, it's no, he says I, my old life has been crucified with Christ. Right? He's applying the gospel to his life. It is no longer I who live, 
but it's Christ who lives in me. He's doing something in me. He told the Philippians that I am convinced of this, that he who began a good work in you, he did the work. It's what he has done in you, not what you do, what he, the good work he began. He will complete it. What, what originates with man must be sustained by man, but what originates with God is sustained by God. And I want a life that's sustained by him. Because I can accumulate a bunch of facts about God, but quite frankly, I can grow bored of those facts. And this life is, you know, it's just, I, I gotta, you know, I wanna please him. I wanna do, I, I gotta play the externals. There's no life, there's no passion, there's no energy in it. But it's him, it's what he does. It's not what I do, it's what he's doing. This produces fruit in your life. He works for you, he works in you, he works through you. And this is how you know, actually, that you're, that you're, you're kind of moving on in, in, what, in, in the gospel, is that his, you work from this place of love and acceptance and what he's done and, and what he has done. I'll say it this way. Jesus has provided no provision in and of your flesh to be a Christian. Look at me, I'm Christianing. I'm Christian. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm Christianing. That's not, no. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's Christ, what Christ is doing in me and through me. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says to this church, he says, he says, for you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to walk in good works before the foundation of the world. This is what we talk a lot about in Growth Track. If you're new to Jubilee and trying to figure out, like, how does it, we want to orientate you on the gospel. We want to orientate in how you grow in Christ. We want to orientate what he has for you. Why? Because you got to please him? No, but because he's doing something new in you, and we want to create pathways for you to walk out this new life. So what is, how do you, how do you know how you get into a counterfeit. Well, Paul's astonished. He's marveling. He's having a hard time believing what he's seeing in verse six. In fact, in, in chapter three, he says, who's put you under the spell? Who's bewitched you? There's a movie in the 90s, a few decades ago. I know more about than just sports. Okay, guys, I know movies too. And uh, the movie Men in Black, and there's there, there these agents that were responsible for supervising the aliens. All right, okay, follow me here. And, but they had, they did not, these, they were supervising the aliens, and so they're keeping them at bay, but also they were making sure that if any human being saw one of these aliens, they had a neuralizer where they just zapped them, right? And so they forget that there was, a, they had the memory, no memory of an alien. So, you know, sometimes you wish you had that, right? Like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you had a good childhood, kids, you know, like, or whatever. I didn't yell, you know, like, you just zap memory. I didn't do that. I didn't say that. Paul's like, man, did the men in black guy show up and zap your memory? I'm astonished. What is he astonished about? Well, he says that they distorted the gospel in verse seven. It says they distorted. And that word distort means to reverse the order. And here is where I hope it comes together for you in understanding the difference between, uh, between um, working from a place of doing things from a place that God loves you versus doing things in order that God would love you. So like, if I show you these pictures of a tree, so those are all at different stages of maturity, but that tree over there is not more of a tree than that. 
And what causes it to grow isn't a tree going, I want to grow, I want to grow, I'm going to grow. It's something's happening inside of them that's causing them to grow, or her, I don't know. And, um, but there's, there's something else that here's what we do as Christians is we figure out what growth looks like and then we, we reverse engineer it. And so there's something, if you go at Christmas, there's, there's like the real tree people and then there's the fake tree people. There, there will be no fake trees in Rachel Mowry's house. <laughs> I learned that the first year of marriage and the second and I finally got it in the third. And there will be no fake tree. And that's what we do. We just, we just say, oh, oh, prayer. Oh, I see the Christians. They pray, they read, they go to community group, they, they give away money, and they do these different things. I want to be accepted by God, and I want to be accepted by my people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to add branches to my life. There isn't life. This is anxiousness, and do I have enough branches? And people know the difference. What is... A counterfeit, it's when we distort the order. We do the same thing. I mean, those trees look the same. I, I can't tell the difference between you and you and you. What you're, what's really going on, on the inside, the difference is the internal motivation. I'm doing these things from a place, from a security of Christ loves me versus I do these things so that Christ will love me. But here's the real the biggest negative, actually, of it all. In verse six, he says, I'm so astonished that you're so quickly deserting him. Him. When you stray from the gospel, you're not straying from a doctrine or a proposition or a way of thinking. You're straying from a person. He's, he doesn't show us the way. He is the way. He doesn't show us the truth. He is the truth. He doesn't show us the life. He is the, he is the pearl of great price. He's the one. We, it's just, he, he's not some celebrity that you pay attention to his social media feed. He is a person who wants to have a meal with you. He wants to relate with you. He wants to bring joy and peace into your life. Will you stand with me? One of the ways that you know that this is alive in you is, is really, it's why we worship, is that it's, it's good news. Um, I was at a store a while back, and I left my phone, my iPhone, on the counter. And the store clerk noticed it, grabbed my phone, ran out into the parking lot, found me, gave me back my iPhone. I was so happy. I hugged the guy. I wanted to kiss him. Like, it was just like kind of awkward moment, to be honest with you. And uh, I was so excited that... He gave me my phone back. My phone. What does Jesus return to you? Is it, is it more than a phone? 
I about kiss this guy for a phone. Jesus has given me my life back. He's given me hope. He's given me a future. I don't wanna grow bored of facts about him and working for him. I wanna remember what he's done and where I would be. We celebrate communion and we celebrate in song. So let's end today. If, you've, if you don't know Jesus, it's, it's, there's no list that you have to do. Jesus came to destroy your list. He sees them as filthy rags. It's actually much worse than that, but we'll get to that later. Let's just remember what he has done for us and let that fill our heart with joy. Thank you.